Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the first official Pat's Pulpit Podcast of the 2020 season. I got that 2020 hindsight, that 2020 vision. Incorporate any cliche you want. We are back. (laughs) I am Alex Shane here with my good buddy, Rich Hill, getting ready to break down the season that was and the season that will be. Rich, how you been, man? I've been doing well. I've been enjoying the off season. Uh, we had our first January off in about 30 years. So <laughs> that was pretty nice. You know, I enjoyed some of the winter time actually. Uh, caught up on some shows. Alec, how have you been? I'm not going to lie, man. Again, this is this is the classic conversation between two obnoxious, spoiled Patriots fans. But, yeah, I really enjoyed this playoff. I uh, traveled MLK weekend. I had a three-day weekend. I actually could go somewhere. went down to South Beach with the, with the roommate, a.k.a. the wife, and we had a nice time. Um, I watched the playoff games casually. I was looking, rooting for, uh, for good games. There were a couple of good games, a couple of snoozers, and I had no rooting interest. And I was really genuinely happy see the Chiefs get Super Bowl. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always excited. I think I've talked about this a bit on the podcast for the earlier parts of this year, but I'm excited for the next generation of a lot of these football players. I, I, I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the face of the NFL for a long time. I think Lamar Jackson is going to give him a nice little rivalry, and so therefore you have your Tom Brady, Peyton Manning set up for the next 20 years. I think that they're going to be very, very good competing with one another. I think Baker Mayfield will be their Ben Roethlisberger or Philip Rivers, something like that you know he'll chime in every now and then but I, I i think the nfl is in good hands as far as it comes to talent i enjoyed seeing jimmy garoppolo lead his like the 49ers and by lead i mean just kind of coast while the rest <laughs> of the players on the 49ers did their thing and brought them to the super bowl but at the end of the day uh chiefs won super happy for andy reed could not think of a, a better head coach that i would want to win it after like you know everything he's gone through from his football career personal life everything i'm just very happy for both andy reed patrick mahomes because it's so so difficult to reach the super bowl never mind to win it and who knows if they'll ever make it back right i mean after the atlanta falcons and matt ryan made it there they haven't been back russell wilson's it hasn't been back. It's been a long road for a lot of teams. And for them to get over the hump, huge for Andy Reid. He's a first ballot Hall of Fame block. Really happy for him. And honestly, it puts the Patriots' success in a lot of perspective. And for me, helped me appreciate a little bit more the ridiculous amount of success they've had reaching four Super Bowls in the previous five years. 
Oh yeah, I mean also you see these these internet slideshows and articles and tweets about how grandfathers and fathers who've never seen the Chiefs Super Bowl finally get to celebrate with their son. It's a really cool thing, something we've taken for granted here in New England. When you go literally every other year to Super Bowl, you realize that there are some people out there who just want to go and actually win and to see a young talent like Mahomes win. It really is cool. I do not appreciate the media that are legitimately asking the question, is it too early to call the Chiefs a dynasty? That was a conversation being had. The answer is obviously yes, and I know it's kind of clickbait nonsense, so I don't really appreciate that. But as you mentioned, the new generation is here. I'm really excited for it. I'll be looking forward to watching Mahomes' career. Congrats to Kansas City and the Chiefs. However, Rich Hill, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm being a bit of a homer here, but I feel like the door hasn't officially shut on the 2000 Patriots dynasty. I think they might have another year or two of Tom Brady left in them, depending on how this current offseason shakes out. But I have some good feelings that the Patriots will be back in this conversation before too long. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so long as they have Bill Belichick at the helm, they'll be competitive. And if and when Brady comes back, and honestly, if I had to read the tea leaves, I'm like 98% sure that he will be back. Because where else would he go? I cannot see him leaving for the Las Vegas Raiders with John Gruden. I could not see him going to the Los Angeles Chargers. If he wants to compete now and he, if he wants to win, which are two things that he absolutely wants to do, he's not going to go to the same division as Patrick Mahomes. Why would he do that? I mean, that he's not going to go join a team with a porous offensive line or a weak defense or a rebuilding franchise. He's not going to do any of that. The, the team in free agency that both needs a quarterback – and gives an older quarterback the best opportunity to win, it would be the New England Patriots with a solid offensive line with their number one ranked defense. All the Patriots have to do is bolster that offensive line, hopefully by re-signing Joe Tooney, but you know, adding a little bit of help there. Hopefully David Andrews returns, bolstering that offensive line and getting him another weapon or two on on offense to make him actually enjoy his time out there. You know, they they really missed Gronk. But there's no team that is so few pieces away from being a Super Bowl contender than the Patriots. And so, of course, he's going to come back. Yeah, I'm thinking about for Tom Brady what his logic would be to leave the Patriots. And the only thing I can really think of is that there was some kind of scenario where there were a lot of pieces in place. There was a good roster that had just one real hole, and that was that quarterback. And he really wanted to show maybe both himself, the world, the doubters, whoever – I can do this absent Bill Belichick. I'm not a system quarterback. I can go anywhere and dominate. But that's a really high-risk play at 43 years old. I mean, if he was maybe 27, 28, and he'd won a couple, wanted to do it, maybe that's a time to go in, out on your own and prove you can make it. But I think time is working against you. You already know the coach so well. You know the fan base so well. You have a good system in place around you. I just didn't see it. I, I thought maybe there would be a scenario where if Josh McDaniels went to Cleveland as the head coach, he went over there with him to be with Josh McDaniels, sat Baker Mayfield for a year, let him learn a little bit more. They've got a lot of weapons in place in Cleveland. That would have been a really fun division, Brady, Roethlisberger, Lamar Jackson. That would have been an absolute blast to watch. But I could not agree more with you. I think the the odds are like minus 3,000 at FanDuel that Brady's coming back. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty much a lock if I had to guess. But I think he's going to test free agency, see what the market's like, and then come back and Everyone's going to be happy. And the good news about that is as soon as that happens, Rich, we can all look forward to Brady's washed up. He's chasing ghosts. The window's officially closed. This is embarrassing. A whole new round of locker room fodder for Brady to get motivated for.
Mm, perfect. Just throw it on the bulletin board right next to we're still here. They didn't believe in you. Oh, I mean, yeah, seriously, everything is set up for Brady and this Patriots team to come back roaring next year. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you look at this roster, we're talking about which teams are going to be able to compete. When you see the current construction, you can see like who the free agents are. What needs do you think that the Patriots have heading into 2020 to help them continue to compete? Yeah, I think the two big ones, maybe the two big ones and one small one, they definitely need a tight end. The tight end was a non-existent factor for the Patriots 2019. Obviously, you're not going to find the Rob Gronkowski just out there in the ether. But not only did they miss Gronkowski's red zone presence, his receiving ability, his mismatch ability, they really never had any solid blocking tight ends that Brady could move around the line to help the run game out. So I want a good hybrid blocking tight end and receiving tight end. They need some offensive line help, as you mentioned. Joe Tooney's going to be a free agent. We're going to break down the full free agent class and those who could come to the Patriots later on in the offseason. But I want to see them bolster the offensive line a bit. And if they want to go out and get some more receivers, I have no problem with that. There's some decent names that will be out there in free agency that I think would do well in their early 30s to come back and find a ring with a championship contender. So I can see the Pagers making a strong case for some guys like A.J. Green or Amari Cooper or Emmanuel Sanders. So maybe a receiver would be a nice additionary piece to Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu. I can't imagine Dorsett's going to stay, but you never know. So all on the offense. Defense is pretty set from last season. So offensive line, tight end, receiver for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything on the offense will be done to make sure that Brady's as happy as possible for the rest of his career, right? I, I mean, he will be 43 years old, I believe, in August. Yep. So he is going to look for roughly three more seasons. He's always said 45 is the target, maybe more, who knows, but they will have their eyes set on three more years. And with that in mind, who are the players that they can add to this team that could be around for three more years so Brady does not have to deal with the same sort of turnover that he's had on offense ever since 2016-2017? You know, once Gronk started to fade, they brought in Brandon Cooks for a season. He was gone. They went away from Chris Hogan. They went away from Danny Amendola. They, all of the usual faces that he's had have disappeared. And so this year he's had Julian Edelman and no one else. And the, he will continue to develop a rapport with Nikhil Harry and hopefully Jacoby Myers, because I think Myers was actually the second best receiver all year. But uh, full offseason for Mohamed Sanu, maybe one of the veterans that you mentioned that could stick around for the next two, three years would be incredible. They had a lot of success with Brandon LaFell and Chris Hogan, and perhaps they need to have a bona fide number one guy. So hopefully... You know, an A.J. Green or Amari Cooper could be that. Or they have, like, Hunter Henry in free agency, Austin Hooper. There are players out there that could help Tom Brady finish his career. And that is what I think the Patriots should be looking for on the offensive side of the ball. For the defensive side of the ball, low-key, uh, they need linebackers. They need linebackers pretty badly. <laughs> they, they have Dante Hightower and Juwan Bentley, and that's kind of it. Technically, John Simon, when he's on the edge, outside linebacker or whatever, but they are going to potentially miss Jamie Collins, free agent, Kyle Van Noy, free agent, Alandon Roberts, free agent, various levels of capabilities, but I wouldn't be shocked if Kyle Van Noy signed a big deal with one of the former Patriots head coaches. I could see him going back to Detroit or maybe going to Miami. Those would be big paydays for him. Maybe Jamie Collins will return on a team-friendly incentive-heavy contract because he was a good enough linebacker last year. But this linebacker spot, if the Patriots are going to continue to succeed on defense, 
that's the most important part of a Bill Belichick defense will forever and always be the linebacker spot. And there's not a lot of those prototypical linebackers in the draft. So the Patriots are going to have to find uh, some more veteran linebackers that they can just plug and play next to Hightower because who knows if Hightower is going to remain healthy, who knows if Bentley is going to stay healthy, and they can't go into next year with a very thin linebacker depth chart. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. The team is at a sort of a crossroads as of this podcast, you know, right now they're going to be very thin at a lot of positions. I like to think that a lot of the players we're talking about are going to come back. They like what they have in New England. They like what they're able to do and produce together. But you never know. There's nothing wrong with a player wanting to maximize his market value. I completely respect that move. I just don't like the guys that talk about, I want to win. I want to do what's best for the team and then go take a max deal somewhere else. You can't have it both ways. So as long as you're looking to do what you have to do and you stay consistent, my cap tips off to you. Uh, the problem, though, Rich, is there's a long time between now and free agency and when it kicks off and a lot of speculating to do. And you and I are going to break down the free agents, both the Patriots, upcoming free agents, and the guys that could possibly land with the team later on in the offseason as things speed up and heat up a little bit. Before that, though, we have what is known as the Indianapolis Dog and Pony Show, a.k.a. the <laughs> Combine, where a bunch of college kids run around and jump high and bench press more than I could possibly ever hope to bench press and run in between cones. Are you a big Combine guy, Rich, or do you think it's kind of an overrated experience? Oh, it's definitely overrated. <laughs> I mean, I, I think yeah. there are definitely lessons that you can have. This is one of the first times that teams are able to fully sit down as a coaching staff with these prospects, figure out how they want to build their draft board for April and May with the off season. And it, it's an important time. I love the numbers that come out of the combine for better or worse, uh, you know, mostly just the three cone times, the broad jumps, the numbers that actually matter as opposed to like the flashy 40 yard dash, but the ones that the Patriots actually utilize when it comes to scouting for and drafting players for their roster. Look for the th three cone time and then uh, broad jump for explosion for a lot of these players. I actually think uh, low key, missing point for the Patriots come this combine will be the fact that Dante Scarnecchia is now retired again. Oh. So uh, that might be a permanent thing, but he has been such a wealth of information for the Patriots, especially from a scouting perspective where he goes out there and he finds the best offensive line talent that he knows he can mold into all pro caliber players. And he's, been doing that for roughly 6,000 years, I want to say, yeah. for the New England Patriots, all with one franchise. And so I think Skarnecchia being gone will be a big gap for the Patriots when it comes to how they're going to acquire players that can help the offense and help bolster them. But I, I, I mean, I am excited for this. I, this is the time of year to turn the calendar into 2020, the new season, the last years in the rear view, which in all honesty, I thought last year was, you know, a little bit on the, the quiet, uninspiring side, helped really emphasize how important a good offense is for my enjoyment of watching the Patriots, because watching them struggle with three and outs was just kind of frustrating, no matter how good the defense was. And this will be a good opportunity to see which players really separate themselves from um, the other draft prospects, because not only do, can you watch the tape, but watching them line up next to each other on the same field will be just as important and impressive for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the combine's completely overrated. I had somehow either forgotten or more like blocked out the fact that Skarnecchia was retiring. So thanks for bringing my entire night down, Rich Hill. <laughs> what a depressing revelation I just had. I forgot about that. That sucks. Uh, happy uh, to do Skarnecchia. that. What a legend that guy was. But yeah, I mean, the combine is extremely overrated. The what it, I feel like these poor kids can only hurt their stock. There's occasionally this one guy, I think uh, Xavier, uh, Denari, Denari Poe was the example of a guy that kind of came out of nowhere, had a great combine, upped his draft stock. But most of these guys, they have a poor 40, or they drop a few passes on the, the receiving drill, and all of a sudden people are talking about them. The combine's a great thing. I don't know about you, Rich, but I love having the combine on the TV while I'm around the house doing stuff. And I'll just like watch kids do stuff, but I don't really put a whole lot. It is very impressive to watch these athletes, and I'll always keep an eye on guys that really stand out to me. And it's just tough because, as we've always talked about, the off season for the Patriots and Patriots fans and those that kind of predict what Belichick's going to do is just a lesson in failure. They always trade up or trade down, or they draft a DB in the second round who ends up arrested or off the team, or that's just kind of how they roll. But that all said, is there any one or two, maybe one or two players in particular you're going to be looking for in the combine, the upcoming draft might be a good fit for the Patriots that maybe those of the readers or listeners who don't follow college football the way we do can look out for and start to get some homework done on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we mentioned the tight end position being of very big import for the Patriots. They currently have Matt Lacoste and Ryan Izzo under contract. Neither of them were difference makers for the Patriots last year. Uh, Matt Lacoste had 131 yards and a touchdown. Izzo had 114 yards and a touchdown. Neither of them are players that you would say, well, maybe they can develop into something. They are what they are at this point in time. And there's some quality day two tight ends in the draft. And so what I'll be looking for in the combine will be to see how these players differentiate themselves from one another and how they weigh in. Because you, you have a couple different molds of tight ends. You have those classic inline tight ends that are big they're heavy they're able to block um, but then they can catch a couple times and number one name that comes to mind is Jared Pinckney out of Vanderbilt he's six foot four 260 pounds he was very underwhelming this past year he came out with the prototypical size and you know he was productive last year just vanished uh, and not the same player this year and so I he didn't look as athletic as he what did in previous years and so I would be curious to see how he will look in shorts, which is not necessarily like anywhere close to as important as he, how he looks actually on the field. But that's a name that I'll be watching out for. But mostly uh, looking at the players that don't have those like Rob Gronkowski statuesque sizes. And a big name that comes to mind, Thaddeus Moss, son of... Yeah. One Mr. Randy Moss. He Thaddeus Moss, super like big hero for LSU this year, really was super productive. He's six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds. So he's slightly undersized as far as tight ends go for the Patriots. But he's some of that. I'm curious to see how he fares because he's a sophomore. He's a young guy. How he stacks up against maybe some of the older tight ends where a lot of them wait until their senior years to come out because there aren't too many underclassmen tight ends that catch a lot of eyes and so how Thaddeus Moss matches up against other players like you have the Hunter Bryant of Washington you have uh, the Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue they're a little bit on the lighter size those are the receiving tight ends um and then you just have uh you know the Jared Pinkney's like a little bit bigger and lumbering so I'm curious to know where Thaddeus Moss falls on that spectrum 
because I would absolutely expect someone with the last name of Moss to be on the Patriots' radar, especially with their relationship with Randy Moss. They will have all of the inside scoop, and so I will be very curious to see how Thaddeus Moss produces. Yeah, totally. What I like about Moss as well, he you can get him day two, day three, most likely, if, if the, the draft falls your way, so they won't have to reach for him. I don't see the Patriots reaching for for a tight end, but you never know. Uh, they do need tight end help, and a Moss to Moss, Brady to Moss, part two, would be really sweet to watch. And it'd be, I'd love to know if there's ever been a quarterback who's thrown a pass to a father and then a son, like 10 years later. Might be an <laughs> NFL first, something to look for. Uh, there's, we're also getting dangerously close with a quick little tangent from Brady throwing a pass to a receiver or a tight end who wasn't born the day he got drafted. I'm excited for that as well. So, Brady, keep playing. I need these records to fall. Now, for my guy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep it pretty vanilla. I play the odds in these situations, and if you don't know what the Pats are going to do in the draft, play it safe and say they're going to go with a DB. And so the DB I'm going to be looking for is a guy named Xavier McKinney out of Alabama. He's a safety slash linebacker slash DB hybrid. Uh, All uh, all 13 games he started, he was an All-American, first team All-SEC junior year, uh, defensive MVP of the Orange Bowl, solid, solid player. I think he's going to be a late first-round pick. I can't imagine the Patriots trade back and still have him on the board. But with Devin McCourty's situation in, uh, in flux right now, their DBs are stacked, but their safety position maybe not so much. Deron Harmon, that's going to happen with him. I'd like to see McKinney come to the Patriots if they do the kind of vaunted classic Belichick move where they draft a DB uh, late in the first, early in the second. I just hope he goes in the first round, the second round, because if the DB goes in the second round, we all know what happens to them, unfortunately. Mm. But he's a really fast guy. He's very rangy. Uh, he's got, he's got a, a good eye and instinct for the ball. He knows how to form, generate turnovers. Uh, I think he's a good patriot. He can play linebacker close to the line. He's instinctive. He's intelligent. He's a very classic Bill Belichick player, and he's an Alabama guy. So we've got that connection right there with, with Saban. So I think he's a perfect patriot for a lot of ways, and I'm looking forward to his combine because those are the guys that can really show their agility. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think anytime you can get an Alabama DB that has a round one grade, they're going to probably do pretty well in the NFL. They they seem to always have a pretty successful skill set. And then also, I mean, touching on that safety position that you mentioned with Devin McCourty being a free agent, it would be a total Belichick move to draft another defensive back in the first round, especially after seeing how strong they are up and down this roster with Gilmore being an all-pro defensive player of the year. You have two young talents in J.C. Jackson and Jonathan Jones. They drafted Juwan Williams last year uh, in the second round. It would absolutely be a Bill Belichick move to add a safety in the first round. Um, and now another name that you could throw out there would be Grant Delpit. He's more of a free safety, uh, but he is two-time consensus All-American out of LSU. He is just a fantastic player. He misses some tackles every now and then, but he is just has a nose for the ball. He is fantastic. Um, that, that would be another name to watch out for at the end of the first round. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alec, there's so many different players and positions that the Patriots could go uh, heading into this year, especially with free agency still separating the combine and the draft. Um, when you see how the Patriots stack up right now, and if you were Tom Brady, you know, and just figure out whether or not he needs to return, what is the one position that cannot go unaddressed between uh, you know now and the draft? What position can you not afford to say, I'll wait to see if a young guy can step up and perform? 
In, in that position, I think it has to be receiver. Uh, I, I'm not – people are punting on Nikhil Harry. I am not. I want to see him a full offseason. They drafted him in the first round for a reason. But just given the track record of either uh, draft pick receivers or receivers they bring in via free agency, it's just not great. Every once in a while, you get a guy that can click with Tom Brady and pick up the system due to his high football IQ. But I feel like more receivers fizzle out and, and then succeed. And given how weak the offense was last year and how they tried pretty much everything from bringing in Antonio Brown to getting Mohamed Sanu to, you know, they, they tried as much as they could and it never quite worked. I think they can figure things out in the offensive line. I think they can get a tight end who can block and that's very important as well. But if they don't have a solid number one receiver, across from Julian Edelman, who is not a number one receiver. He's a great all-time great player, but he's not like a true number one receiver. I just don't see how the offense is successful in 2020. So I really want to see them draft the receiver position. I want to see them continue to develop the guys in-house and go out and get a free agent that really knows the system and can do well and, and thrive under Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Because if that doesn't happen, it's going to be a very long 2020, and Brady might start having some buyer's remorse coming back. <laughs> I mean, I absolutely agree with that. I think that is the one position that you can't say oh, we'll just get a rookie and uh, this works in the Patriots favor in two ways one uh, I mean exactly what you said they need to have someone who can step in right away and be that number one because the the Patriots offense is at its best when Edelman can play off of someone else you know other teams saw this Patriots offense last year and said we can just double Julian Edelman and they're not going to be able to do anything else like if we just double Edelman Try us. You can't do anything. And he missed having a Gronkowski. Uh, you know, they, they missed having someone that could take advantage of those beneficial matchups or, you know, draw away the coverage and allow Edelman to have those favorable matchups. I don't think you can expect a rookie to really do that. And so you have a lot of players. You already mentioned Amari Cooper. Uh, you also said A.J. Green, Emmanuel Sanders. Those are all names throw out there as well. Robbie Anderson from the New York Jets is a, a name worth considering. Um, I think that's one that could kind of be a quiet opportunity. Um, but then, you know, I, I think a lot of the other free agents, who knows how they'll emerge. So the Patriots could very well try the same thing this offseason like they did in offseasons past where they just sign five or six veteran wide receivers and hope one of them sticks or one of them emerges. There seems to be plenty in that middle tier. So maybe one of them can stick around. But if we if we approach the draft with the concept that the Patriots are not going to need to draft a wide receiver, it really plays in the Patriots' favor in the first round because this is a very top-heavy draft with a lot of talented young receivers that might very well be out of the Patriots' draft range. So you really can't have any of that, oh, man, I wish they took it sort of feeling. You have CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy, who are two wide receivers that could very well go in the top 10. You have Henry Ruggs and T. Higgins, who should both go in the top 20. And then you have LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado, who could also be another top 20 pick, but he's in that next round. And so if, if you have four or five wide receivers go off the board before the Patriots draft, because all these other teams are going to want these players, and the Patriots won't necessarily be interested in adding a young wide receiver, that means that talented players at other positions that the Patriots might actually want will be more likely to fall down the draft board because that's just how it works. If another player goes off the board, one has to fall. And if all these other wide receivers go off the board, then maybe someone that the Patriots want will be available at the end of the first round. Or, or Rich Hill, 
They'll trade back in the first round, draft a DB <laughs> from Brown University in the second round that no one's ever heard of, pick up some receiver in the fourth round who ends up being an absolute stud, and their fifth round tight end is, is, is their, their number one guy. Th- that could possibly happen as well. Oh, that's absolutely true. And who knows? We will never know this. We, uh, I don't know what goes on in Bill Belichick's crystal ball, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see. We The, the future is completely cloudy, uh, but all we know is that the Patriots are in, you know, they're in a f- great position heading into 2020. If they, if they can bring back Tom Brady, they will absolutely be able to compete. Uh, hopefully they can get him some help on offense, and I don't doubt that they will try to do that. Um, but, you know, the 2010s were a fantastic decade, and I'm pretty excited for what the 2020s have in store. For sure. Again, they've earned it. Whatever they want to do, they can do. I'm along for the ride. It's been a nice, fun off season, and we'll be breaking down a lot more over the course of the coming days, weeks, and months. Combine, free agency, draft, minicamp, all that good stuff. So keep it here. Keep it here often. And I've got my uh, top 20 pages moments coming up soon. Uh, prepare to be underwhelmed by this year's list, folks. But that's just kind of that's just kind of the way the season went out. Uh, Rich, any final comments for us while we get out of here? Oh no, I mean I'm just excited for the the page to turn off of the 2019 season into what 2020 has in store. Yeah, you got it, man. All right. Well, absolutely. Until next time, Alec. You have a good one. See you, dude. Later, man.